awesome book. It's a short book with a big message. If you get to the book of Judges, just keep on going a little bit more and you'll find the book of Ruth is a very small book, four chapters. And so the next four weeks, we're going to walk through the book of Ruth. And I'm excited. And you're like big, of course you're excited. You're always excited about your, your, your series. And the truth is, yes. And I was this morning praying. I was like, God, I'm so excited about this. And my mom, uh, we had dinner with my mom and dad last night. She said, you're always so excited about your messages. And I said, yeah. I said, you know what? God's word is awesome, right? It, it really is. It really is an awesome thing. That there is so much there that you can study the word of God for most, most of your life and yet still feel like it's a brand new thing and a brand new discovery. And so today's, and we're talking about for the next four weeks, is kind of like that for me. And that's kind of why I'm so excited about this. And so I'm really passionate about what we're going to talk about this morning. But here's a, a, a true thing that I want to kind of set the stage with this morning. Now, when, when you walk with God, okay, now that is the disclaimer here. When you walk with God, the best is always yet to come. The best is always yet to come. Now, you might say, well, those are just, are those just words. Uh, is that just a nice thing to say? That sounds really good, but is that really true? Does that really hold weight? Or is that just a thing that we say, and I think we're going to discover, as we discover from Ruth, that those words are absolutely true. When you walk with God, the best is always yet to come. We're going to find over the next four weeks that when you walk with God, God who is loving, who is kind, who is powerful, who is generous, has this unbelievable ability to, to, to work and to, and, and to make turnarounds happen in the lives of believers for the rest of our lives. I discovered a thing that the longer I serve Jesus, the more I know about God, the more I have to have turnarounds in my life. Anyone with me on that? You need turnarounds. You need God to do something. That is a consistent basis thing that God can do in the life of believers. To set the stage today, of course, you see behind me, I've got two, uh, two little illustrational things right here. I've got a sun and I've got a, 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 cl a cloud of rain. And man, this might look nice to you while my son is not cooperating. Come on, son, do what you're supposed to do here. You, you know, how many of you are excited for the warm sun to happen in a few weeks, right? Come on, this is faith speaking. I'm excited for it too. Uh, I, I can't wait for the warm sun to take place, but let's just say for a minute that you were so excited and you so much love the sun that you decided to sell everything you own, all of your earthly goods, you sold it all, and you decided you're going to invest it in a orange farm in Florida. And you went on Wikipedia and you learn all about how to raise oranges because everyone knows Wikipedia is always right, right? And so you learn about raising oranges, you get all excited about this, you invest everything you own in a, in a, in a farm in the middle of Florida. You plant your seeds, your, your trees grow, your trees start to produce, and they get flowers and this, all this stuff. You've learned on Wikipedia that, and again, it's never wrong, you've learned that it takes six hours of sun every day to, for, 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 for oranges to grow properly. You know that there's two places that happens. It happens in Florida, and it happens in California. And so you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm the spot I'm supposed to be. I, I'm here. It's warm. It's wonderful. And again, your, your orange trees start growing, and you're getting excited because you're like, I'm going to 
I'm going to get a great harvest here. But the problem happens is that things don't always happen like you think they're going to happen, right? Right? They don't always turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. And so you discover one year that in the middle of August, Florida turns cold and rainy and gray. And you're from Minnesota, though, okay? So you, you grew up here. You, you were here for most of your life. And so you, you've been watching the weather, and you say, wow. You say, back home in Minnesota, it's August. It's 85 degrees. It's sunny every day. It's a beautiful spot. You go, it gets rain. It gets, snow, it gets sun. You know what I'm going to do? And because, we're, because we're, we're imagining here, you can do whatever you want to do, right? This is our dream. You pick up your entire orange farm, dirt, trees, tractors, I mean everything. You pick the whole thing up and you bring it north and you plop it down right in the middle of Wright County, Minnesota. And you say, this is the place to grow oranges. And you know what? For a few weeks, you're right, because it is beautiful, it's warm, it's sunny, it's great. You're looking down in Florida, and your buddies in Florida, uh, who, who are your neighbors, they're, they're experiencing a cool, wet, cold, cloudy season. You're soaking up the sun in Minnesota. You're like, I have discovered the secret to growing oranges in Minnesota. And you start growing, things get better. The problem is is that though August is nice, we know that October, November, and December are coming, don't we? See, we know that, it's that as great as August might be, this is going to happen eventually. You see, so now you find yourself in a situation. You call your buddy down in, in, in Florida, and they're like, man, the sun's back, it's beautiful again. Now you have a problem. And there is one thing, and there is one thing alone that you need to do to solve and to fix your investment. And it's not crying about it. It's not being embarrassed about it. It's not being upset, although you probably feel all those things. One thing you need to do is to get yourself back under the warm sun of Florida. Can someone say amen this morning? You're like, man, that's what you'd have to do is get yourself back under the warm sun. See, we're going to discover here this morning from the book of Ruth is that Ruth is an amazing story. And it's not just a story. Ruth is a story of what God actually did in someone's life. A small family that seems very small and very insignificant and very much not that big of a deal. God has a bigger purpose and plan. If you've ever wondered how God deals with people, if you've ever wondered how God views you, the book of Ruth is a wonderful example. And what we're going to discover from my silly illustration this morning here is that Naomi does something in this book that though Naomi is not perfect, Naomi makes a decision in this book that causes the end of the book to end with the fact that the best is yet to come. Would you open this morning with me to Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Now we got to pause there for a minute because this is some pretty important stuff. The book starts with famine. We're going to find that this is the least of, or this is not the only problem they have. They have many problems as a family, but this is a big one, and it's right here, and it's right now. There's famine in the land of Israel, and so that's what's, what's happening. It's a big problem, and so you have to know this today, too, that this, this ver first verse gives us this details 
really, really important. We can lose it if we don't uh, stop here. This happens in the time of the judges. Now, that's very significant. And this morning, Pastor Tyler had this kind of word was really, really very applicable to where we're going this morning. You see, this happens in Judges. If you read throughout the book of Judges, you find the people of Israel were on this constant roller coaster of emotion and happenings throughout the entire book, right? They're up, they're down. They're up, they're down. They're left, they're right. This, this has happened over here. This is, they're up and down constantly. And what you find is you find that the people of God, they, they, they're down and they come back to God and God blesses them and they're back up again. And then they're up and they walk away from God and they're back down again. And that happens throughout the entire book of, of Judges. There is war, there is invasions, there is famine. Now throughout history, throughout the Old Testament, God has made some very clear promises to his people. You'll never be hungry. You'll never go without. You will never be, be, be in lack. God made these promises throughout history to his people. And so you would think that when they see famine happening in their lands, they would see this for what it truly is and not for what they think, but for what it truly is. You'd think that. But that's important. Listen to the last verse of Judges. Judges describes so clearly what happened in the land at this time. It says this, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You can drop the book of, Ju book of Ruth whoop, right there in the middle of Judges. This is happening in the time of Ruth. Flawless. There's things going on that no one fully understands or grasps. There's things going on that are, that are happening here that, that, that no one gets. And there's no king in Israel. Now, you think, well, okay, I, I just got a, a, a thing there. You see, doesn't the Bible say that God did have kings like David and Saul and such? No, at this time, there is no king in Israel. Because when God set up the land, God set it up that God would be the king of Israel, right? And that they would live in this perpetual time under the sun. They'd live in this blessing that God had given them. This was the plan, the purpose. But they kept having good times, and they would go under here. And they would say, well, God, we don't need you now. We're good. And then things went down. And they went back over here. And back and forth and back and forth. You see, that's how things happened in this time. It was a lawless time. It was a crazy time. But what, here's what's so cool about God. Does God care about nations and people? Yes, uh, God absolutely does. But what we'll discover in this book, we'll discover really throughout the rest of this history, that God's ultimate concern is for people. God cares about people. And some of you this morning, and, and man, this message, I, I think from some of us, I don't know who, but for someone this morning, this is a prophetic word that you have to listen to this morning. You have to hear the story of Ruth. It's a prophetic word to you. Does God care about people? We sometimes wonder, does God see me? Does God know who I am? In the midst of all that's going on, does God really ask, who is to blame for this? Who's to blame for my issues? Who's to blame for my problems? Man, I find people, it doesn't matter how mature or how immature we are as believers, those questions still roll through our minds, don't they? Is God really active in a time like this? See, we walk through these questions, and the book of Ruth speaks to that. Let's back to the text this morning. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the lands, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah. And I got to pause here again. I pause a lot today. 
I'm going to pause here again because, again, there's some, some really important things right here to, to speak about. It says that there's a man in, from Bethlehem in, in Judah. This is so ironic, and it's hard for us to understand. You've got to understand that with God, no detail is ever wasted. And this story is, there are so many incredible details that God does not waste to help us to understand his point. Now, what's so ironic about this is that this word Bethlehem at this point is a small little known village, okay? This is before David, this is before Jesus, this is a small little place, but yet the, the, the city of Bethlehem at this time, which is the village of Bethlehem, is a very important thing in the people of Israel. Bethlehem means house of bread, and Bethlehem was situated and was the capital of a valley, a county, really in a valley, that's, um, that was the most fertile point and fertile place in the nation of Israel. So the people of God would get their barley and their grain from this land right here. And so this is the breadbasket. This is the Kansas. This is the, the Iowa, the Nebraska. I mean, this is the center of it all. This is where bread comes from, Bethlehem. So a guy who lives in the middle of all that, this man who lives right in the center of all those things, does something very ironic. The man from the house of bread went to sojourn or to live in the country, to live as an alien in the country of Moab, his wife and his two sons. Now this is shocking, okay? It's shocking. Now you're like, really? That's not shocking to me. See, Moab is a terrible place. And not just terrible like it was at one time has gotten better. At this point, Moab is miserable. Think of the worst place you can imagine. Not Wisconsin, worse than that. I mean, the worst place, right? You knew it was coming. The worst place ever. Think about how, what that would be. Why in the world would someone go from the land of bread to a place like Moab. Moab, if you study Moab, and I couldn't get into the details, there's just too much. The, the land of Moab was founded on some incredibly awful principles. The people of Moab at this time would sacrifice their children to gods, to small g gods, by burning them in fire. You know, you just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what's happening in this land of Moab at this time. There's way more things that I don't want to talk about because there's going to be kids in this room. Moab was a terrible place at this time. So why in the world would this guy who want to take him, his wife, and his family and leave the house of bread to go down to Moab? That is pretty shocking. It's pretty ironic. And see, this is the question we have to ask ourselves. Let's read on. The plot thickens. The name of the man was Elimelech. Now, Elimelech means God is king, okay? So this guy's name means God is king. This man, Elimelech, and the, and the name of his wife was Naomi, which means sweet or pleasant. In other words, my wife, Lisa. No, seriously, she is. But that is like her, okay? Sweet and pleasant. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, which means sickly and wavering over death, Okay? So to put it not to, in today's terms, it's like meet my two sons, coronavirus and Ebola, right? That's how it would be. Okay, so here you got these guys, this strange family from the house of bread who leaves to go down to this place in Moab. Why in the world? 
God is king, Elimelech. How would you do this? And see, for a lot of us, we'd say, well, that's obvious, right? It's obvious. There's a famine in the land. The Elimelech heard there's food in, in Moab. He's like, hey, I don't know about you guys, you, my, my buddies here, my homies. I don't know about you guys, but I heard there's food over there. That's where I'm going. I, I'm, I, I don't care what's going on in Israel. I don't care what's going on. I want my family to get some food. So we are blowing this joint. We're walking away. We're going someplace else. And that's where this story takes a disastrous turn. Because throughout the, throughout the Old Testament, every time there's famine, the people have left God. The people have walked away from God being their king, and they've gone to something else. Now, I don't know a lot about Elimelech, whether he was a great man of God or was not. I, I don't know, you know, I have my thoughts, but the Bible doesn't tell us that. But, but I do know this. See, Elimelech does what a lot of us do in moments like this. Elimelech con confronts his issue with the best of his wisdom and understanding and completely does not see the spot he's in with spiritual eyes at all. Because God promised the people of God that they would always have bread and food. God promised they would always walk in blessing. They would always walk in this place. And that was God's promise. That was what God did. And Elimelech sees his problem not from his spiritual eyes, not from his eyes and mind of faith, but sees this in a whole different light. And he takes his family and he walks and he runs away. And the truth is, it was not a hard run. It was 40 miles away, 40 miles and it was all downhill from there. You know, you know those stories. When I was your age, my school, I had to walk uphill both ways to, to school through the snow. No, this was an easy road. It was easy. Piece of cake. 40 miles downhill, no big deal. You know, I wonder how many times that we, in our own lives, we look at an easy path or an easy way as being God's will in our lives without first consulting God's promise and God's word. We say, well, God, if you don't want me to go there, then close the door, right? God, if you don't want me to do this, you just got to close the door without ever considering what the word says about it. So you got to close the door. So if God doesn't close the door, then this must be the right thing for me to do. I wonder if Elimelech thought like many of us do at times in our lives and thought, God, close the door. Make it difficult. The truth is it was easy for him to walk away from God's promise. It was easy for him to do that. And to find himself in a place of compromise and walking right out of God's blessing, that's what Elimelech is doing at this point. And think, too, about those whom he influenced. It's not just Elimelech that's the problem here. I mean, he's got his wife. He's got his sons. He is influencing his family to walk away from God's promise and God's blessing. Listen, dads, moms, listen to me this morning. How you walk and how you live your life matters. How you, the example you give your kids, is church important? Is God valuable in our lives? Do we make sacrifices to do what God's called us to do? Yes, 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 and yes. 
You might say it doesn't matter that much. It doesn't matter that big. But your kids see this. Your kids see how you walk. And maybe I'm talking to the choir this morning. But I'm telling you this morning, if you will make it a priority to show that God's house, God's people, our service to God, our dedication to God takes priority over everything else, you will find blessing in your lives. How? I don't know how it all works. It's just how it works. The people that you influence, it it matters. It looks like it's in that spot. And one bad decision forces another. He he continues. They were Ephraimites. That's the county from Bethlehem in in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah. Man, she had to be good looking. And the name of the other one was Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. And both Malon and Chilion died. Of course they did. Their names were Ebola and coronavirus. But they, so the woman was left there without her two sons and her husband. Now, now pause. Why again did Elimelech move to Moab? He moved there because there was, he, didn't, he wanted his family to, to survive and to live long, right? What happens? Moab dies, as do his sons. I'm reminded of the scripture in Proverbs 16. says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. How do you you know what to do? Because it makes a decision that I think a lot of us might make in the same situation. God, what 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 do you do here? See, our wisdom, listen to me here, dear ones, our wisdom devoid of true consultation and dependence upon God's Promise in God's word equals deadly consequences. And what stinks is that so often it doesn't happen right now. It happens someplace down the 40 miles, down towards Moab. It happens someplace along the pathway. Then we find ourselves so far down the path, we don't know how we got there. That's where the small, insignificant family finds themselves. And I'm sure at this point, Naomi says, oh, I didn't think it could get worse, but it did. I didn't think it could get any worse than this, but guess what? It did. I didn't think it could get worse. I mean, we had this and this, and now here I am. She is with herself, by herself, with her two, uh, her, her two daughters-in-law, three women in a foreign land, left cold, dry, and empty. That is not a good situation in this time in the world. And so she's here. She arose to her daughters in verse 6. The in-law returned to the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Now, Judah means praise, by the way. That's pretty awesome. It's a whole other thing. Man, put a, a mental marker here this morning. This is a big, big deal. Naomi is by no means perfect, but this once sweet and wonderful woman has seen some things, and now it's gotten to her. Skip down to verse 13. It says, would you therefore wait till my sons are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? She says, girls, leave me. She says, my life is miserable, my life is awful, my life's terrible, no one cares, living for me is going to ruin your lives, get away from me, she says. She says, my life's over, and these these girls respond to her, she says, no, she says, it's exceedingly bitter for me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Who does she blame for her position? She blames God, doesn't she? 
But, you know, it seems like some guy named God is king had a little bit to do with why she's in this position in the first place. Is God to blame here? See, what God's done is God has laid down some laws, some spiritual laws. God's laid down some things, of, some, 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 some ways in which he blesses his people, right? He puts some things which we stand under his blessing. There is good things. God's made those clear, and God's laid those down. You see, Elimelech knew these well. If someone steps out from under these parameters, is God to blame for that decision? Is God to blame for those kind of moments? You see, God sets the, mo- the universe in motion with some laws, physical laws, spiritual laws. God put this in motion. You see, when we live under his laws, there is blessing. I, I think when I learned about this past, or this idea when I was in college, there was a friend of mine who was one of my, my roommates for quite a while. I knew him very well. And, and, and he, things just went well for him all the time. He had a, an amazing early devotional life. He did the right stuff. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't always the most honest, trustworthy guy in college. I tried to skate by some stuff sometimes. And so God had gotten a hold of my heart, but he took some time to disciple me and change me, if you know what I mean. And so Tan and this guy, my friend, uh, he would go to class, and everyone else might cheat, and Tan would say, sir, Professor, I, I didn't do the right thing. I'm sorry. He said, I'll take the zero. He did stuff like that. He tithed. He gave. I mean, Tannen did the right thing all the time. And it bugged the tar out of me. Because Tannen was always so good, right? He was always so perfect and right and good. He was so innocent and it just, oh, bugged me. And guess what? God consistently blessed my friend all the time. I remember moments of times when Tannen had a car that broke down. And just magically, God somehow got provided for him. And, and his car would have enough to fix. I mean, I'd be like, what am I going to do? And Tannen's like, well, I just had a check for 100 bucks come in. I don't know. You know, and stuff like that happened all the time in Tannen. And, and I'm telling you, it bugged me till I realized something. And Tannen knew the, the, the laws that God laid down in his life. There's blessing there. You see, that's when I decide to step out from under God's blessing, God most often doesn't slam on the brakes. We think if there's no brakes, it must be okay. And see, that's why they're here. Elimelech should have never walked away from God's blessing. And now he finds himself dead. He finds his sons dead. His wife, who was formerly sweet and wonderful, she now, at the end of the chapter, says, don't call me sweet, call me Mara. Call me bitter, because I'm bitter, she says. But Naomi makes some mistakes, but she does one thing that is so smart. As the band prepares to come up this morning, to, as, I, as I close, she does something so smart. I don't know if you caught it, but she says, yeah, you know, she says, I'm living in this foreign land. I'm living in this land that, that God is not blessed. I'm living in a spot where God's not called us to. She says, I, I know where I'm at. I know the situation is. But she says, I'm not living my life here. I'm going back to where it was before. I'm going back to the place of blessing. I'm going back to the house of God, back to the house of bread. She says, I'm not re- ending my bitter days here. I'm not living here. I'm living there. This decision was huge. And then comes one of the most beautiful pieces of scripture in the entire book. In verse 16, it says, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. 
Your people will be my people, she says. Your God, my God. Where you die, I die. There, will be, there I will be buried. May the Lord do to me, and more so of anything but death parts me from you. Her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the one, one of them said, see you later, mother-in-law, but Ruth said, I'm staying. For the rest of your life, I'm staying here. Now, Ruth is blessed for that decision, right? But so is Naomi. Naomi is too. You know why? Because when you follow God, when you put your life under his authority, the best is always yet to come. The two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? They, she said to them, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me sweet. They, she says, call me Mara. Call me bitter because the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full and now the Lord's brought me back empty. Why call me sweet? When the Lord has testified against me, the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. The, God has been unfair and I am bitter. Truthfully, she's wrong in her perspective. She has no idea what's about to take place. She's wrong. She's dead wrong. But you know what I love? I love her honesty in this point right here. She's just not trying to, to cover over, how you doing? I'm great. Things are great. Couldn't be better. I'm awesome. When deep down inside, it's bitter, it's wrong, she says, things are not good. Things are not right. Things are difficult right now. It's not great. She's honest. She's struggling. She's angry. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. And the last verse of this chapter 1 foreshadows what's coming. She says, but Naomi returned, and Ruth and the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Truthfully, we're about to see God do one thing after another in this woman who says, don't call me, don't call me blessed, call me bitter. We're going to see God do one thing after another in her life. That is remarkable. We're going to see God do things and say, how did you find yourself here? This is a normal, average woman who no one cares about because she could have said, no one sees me. My husband left me in a foreign land. I am hopeless. I am dry. Nothing's there. I'm gone. I have nothing left. That's her. We're going to see God do one thing after another that is remarkable. Why? She does one thing. She does one thing right. She puts herself under the blessing of God. She puts herself away from the land that she'd known for 10 plus years. She goes back to God's blessing. And she says, I don't know a lot of what I can do. I'm bitter. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm upset. This has happened. Yes, it's all happened. But I know this. There's bread in the house of bread. There's hope in the land of Israel. Because that's the place that God blessed. And though I don't know all, this, all the details, I'm going back to that place. And I'm standing under that spot. Because I trust God will do more. Because he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly whatever we ask, think, or pray. This all ties together this morning, church. You see, that 
that's what's happening. Church, God wants to be merciful and gracious to his people. If Naomi stays in Moab, nothing happens. She stays bitter. She stays angry. She stays disenfranchised. All that stuff happens. In this spot sometimes, I wonder how often we think, God, this is difficult. God, this is tough. And I'm not going any place until you move me. When God has given you the clear word to say, this is what you stand on. This is what you walk on. See, the best is yet to come doesn't just magically happen. The best is yet to come. We put ourselves in a place where God can bless us. And you're like, what does this mean, Pastor? I don't know what all this stuff means. This, this seems so simple. Yep. It really is that simple. No, it's not. My life's very complicated. You don't know my story. And you're right, I don't know your story. You don't know all the stuff going on in my life. You're right, I, I don't know that. But I know this. And if Naomi stood here today too, she would tell you the same thing. Because we'll find at the end of her life, she is no longer Mara. She is now back to speak Naomi again. And it's not because she's all that smart and brilliant. It's because she did one thing right. She put herself under the place of God's blessing. Stand with me across this room. Close your eyes. Bow your heads today. Psalm 112, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Blessed is he who fears the Lord and who delights in his commandments and his word. If this man, Elimelech, God is king, had taken that scripture to heart and said, I'm in the place of need, but I'm going to fear God, I'm going to respect and honor God, and I'm going to honor the promises he's made, God might have spoken to him and changed his situation, but he didn't. You see, that's the problem. It's also the solution. When you're up against the situation, when you're up against the stuff, when you're up against these things, when you say, God, I need a better day, your first response to that thing is not just to look at it and say, what am I going to do? I don't know. I'll grab the first thing. I'll grab the first thing. No, the first thing you do is to honor God and love his word. You're depressed or you're angry or you're bitter. Or you're, at the, you're at wit's end today. That's your first response to see things in a spiritual sense. This is both a, a, an encouragement to some who are in this spot today and you find yourself here, you find yourself in a place where you're like, God, I have done this. What's going to happen? You have God's promise that it's going to come through. The best is yet to come. You might be here today, you might say, I'm in this tough spot, and you've not done this. You've looked at this without spiritual eyes, and you've put yourself under a cloud and not in the sun, and you're like, what do I do? 
Get under that sun. Get yourself in the place where God blesses. Love his word and love his commandments and, and honor him. Walk like that. You find yourself in the place where you are blessable. Across this room right now, I would encourage you just to begin just to let God minister and work in your life. Prayer team, come forward today if you would. I got to ask the question before we do anything else this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this is your chance right now to give him your life and your heart. Christians, would you pray? Would you intercede? Would you pray for those, those who don't know Jesus that are among us today? We're going to pray and we're going to ask God into our lives this morning, all of us. But if that's you, and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. I want to this morning. Pray with me this morning. Dear Jesus, I love you. I don't know you yet, but I love you. And I ask you into my life. Clean me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of everything I've done. From this point forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Give God glory this morning for those who have come to know Jesus. Mm. As the band plays this morning, heads bowed, eyes closed. For the rest of us today, I believe that you are in one of two spots this morning, in some spot and place in your life right now. You are, you are depending upon God's word and you are depending upon God's promise and you're in a tough spot. Take faith. Take hope this morning. Continue to walk like that. The best is yet to come. You might be here today and you might say, Pastor, I'm in a tough spot. Or maybe you're in a great spot right now, but what, what, what happens sometimes is we do our level best like my friend the orange farmer and things happen that we don't expect. We find ourselves in a tough spot. What do I do? You do one thing and you do one thing alone. You put yourself back under the blessing of God. I want to encourage us as a band plays, if you need prayer, this team is here, we'll pray with you. But this altar is open, you want a spot, come find a spot by yourself, great. And just spend some time with Jesus. But I want to encourage you as a band plays today to let God minister in your life this morning. Let God speak in your life if you need encouragement or you need challenge this morning. Let God speak. Jesus, today we give you this time. Lord, we give you this place. Lord, we stand on your promises. And Lord, we stand, Lord, in honoring you with our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.